This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 1st, 2019. It ain't in there. Money is the root of all evil. It ain't in there. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. You know, it's okay to dance in church. I saw all you guys going and wiggling in the chairs. You can get up and dance if you want to. Not now, though. You, you missed it. You missed your window. So today is uh, week two of our series, It Ain't In There, where we look at expressions that many people believe come from the Bible, but don't. Last week, we looked at that common thought that God helps those who help themselves, and we found out it ain't in there. We shared that God helps those who cannot help themselves and uses us as his hands and feet to meet the needs of others. We want to thank you for your strong response to being Jesus' hands and feet in our community. Had a lot of people signing up. But you know, those, uh, those clipboards are still out there, and there's still some blank spaces if you didn't get a chance to sign up last week. You know, we still need hands and feet. Anyway, today we're looking at another common it ain't in there expression. Money is the root of all evil. Good job. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Thank you so much for coming today. <coughs> My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also want to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live. We've got my brother David from Jacksonville, Florida. Pray for all of our brothers and sisters, literally, and friends who are down south. Candy and Murray are in Georgia with the Schneibels and Dave and Keith and Michelle and golly days, Dave Ely, wonder where he, is he here or is he traveling? Oh, you're on, you're on, you're watching. Here, eyes up here. Well, Dave, it's good to see you. Yeah, it is good to see you, Beth and all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we want to say a special welcome to Tom and Gloria Ward. We're so happy to see you. Tom was our landlord when we were on 100 West Green Street, and was they were so gracious to us while we were there for 18 years. Thank you for joining us. I know you wish we were back, right? <laughs> yeah, but we're glad for you to see us in our new space that God has provided, right, church? Amen. Because we know that with God... All things are possible. All things are possible. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made. It's a day where, gosh, we could be doing anything else, and uh, there might be a temptation for that, but this is where you want us, to worship you, to be together as a community of faith. Thank you for those who have um, just shown up and for those who are online with us. We are people who just want to learn more about you and love you more and more each day. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. amen. Money is the root of all evil. As we said, you won't find this expression in the Bible. And that's because money in and of itself is an evil. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard for us to talk about it in a church like it's a bad word, but it's not. It's necessary. Look around. If we didn't have money sent into Fulton Bank every month, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> These lights, if we didn't send the, in the electric bill and pay for it with money, we'd be in the dark. There we go. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Hello. There's microphone and the sound, the electricity powering it. 
thanks to that electric bill also. And, uh, you know, we pay salaries here all thanks to money, money, money. Money was necessary to buy that gas that brought you today unless you walked or rode your bicycle. And, you know, we pay our mortgages, our car payments, our college tuitions, our school supplies, and bread and milk and everything else. On and on. Money, money, money. It's necessary and not evil in and of itself. Well, on the other hand, there is a verse in Scripture that is close to the expression that we're focusing on today. Check this out. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it doesn't take much to get from money is the root of all evil to the love of money. It's easy for us to just make that leap, but it's not true. Just a few words change everything. And a root of all kinds of evil is quite different than the much simplified, the root of all evil. And so this letter, 1 Timothy, was written by Paul, who's the author of much of the New Testament. He wrote it to Timothy, a young man that Paul mentored and tutored and took with him on many of his travels as he shared the good news of Jesus Christ around the Mediterranean area. Now, during his fourth missionary journey, Paul had instructed Timothy to care for the church in Ephesus, a city there. I think it's in uh, modern-day southeast or southwest Turkey, I think. And he wrote, or in that where would now to be Turkey, and he wrote this letter to encourage and direct his young charge, Timothy, to refute the false teachings that were going on in the church at that time, supervise this growing Ephesian church, and uh, give him kind of direction and encouragement as he appointed qualified leaders in that church. And so this verse that I just said is a part of that letter. There's a bigger sample that we want to share with you to put it in context. So I'm going to back it up to verse... 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so this section of Scripture immediately follows Paul's advice to Timothy on false teaching and immediately precedes a directive he gives to Timothy to flee from the love of money and instead to pursue righteousness, to pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Godliness, that would be a good and holy life with a special emphasis on a deep reverence for God along with commitment to his, and along with contentment. That's the goal. You know, as he says in that, in that letter, we bring nothing into this life and we take nothing out. You know, I was a hospice nurse for 28 years. I just recently let that go, but it is so true. We bring nothing in and we take nothing out. That is such a poignant scripture that I've seen over and over again. And so Paul says, be content if you have food and clothing. Desiring riches causes people to do things that are destructive for themselves and for others. It's 
It's not just money, but the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil is a root of all kinds of evil, causing people to wander from the faith even and to do things that they may be sorry for later. If we turn in the page to the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, we find a similar instruction on money, uh, similar to what we find in 1 Timothy here. It's found in Ecclesiastes 5th chapter, 10th verse, written by Solomon. Solomon, the son of David, said to be the wisest man who ever lived. And this is what Solomon tells us. He says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Wow. And so the love of money causes greed rather than gratefulness. We're never, ever satisfied. Enough is never enough. So do you know anyone who you think, wow, they've kind of got it made and they're just not satisfied? And you're thinking, what's it going to take? Ah. I confess I've thought that myself and as I've looked at other people, but then dare I say, what about me? How do I appreciate and respond to what God has given? Because it's all God's. But sometimes it just seems like we're one dollar away from joy and peace, just one dollar away from being content with what we have, who we are, where we're at. It's a great story found in the New Testament, second part of the Bible, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those four Gospels, stories to talk about Jesus and his life. This one's found, the one we're looking at is in the book of Mark, but it's also the same story as told in Matthew and Luke. It's the story, we kind of call it the, the story of the rich young man. Some people call it the rich young ruler. In Mark, he's called just the rich young man, though. This rich young man comes up to Jesus one day and he says, uh, uh, what, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. Jesus says, you know, uh, follow the commandments. You know, don't kill anybody. <laughs> don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Uh, honor your parents. You know, follow the commandments. Well, I'm sure the young man's beaming at this. Because the next thing out of his mouth is, I've been following them since I was a boy. I mean, he's, he's got it made, doesn't he? He's in. He's done exactly what Jesus said to get eternal life. The next sentence is really interesting. It says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. That's, that's a really important sentence. He looked at him and loved him. you got to say, why, why does it say that? Well, it says it because what Jesus is going to say next it's going to be hard for this young man to hear. It's going to be hard for him to swallow. It's going to be hard for him to follow. Jesus loved him just as he was, but too much to leave him there. Too much to allow him to be right where he was. Too much to not let him get, have the opportunity to be all in. All in. Just like with us. Loves us where we are, but too much to leave us there. And so Jesus looks at him, and he loves him, and he says one more thing. There's one more thing. Oh, man. You know, with Jesus, it's like that but, you know, but, you know. And he, uh, he, he thought he had it. He thought he had it. Now there's one more thing. 
wonder what that is he's thinking. One more thing Jesus says, go and sell everything you've got, give it to the poor. Then you'll have riches in heaven, you can come follow me. And it says the young man, (laughs) the young man left, he was very sad because he was very rich. He had to walk away from what Jesus offered because he was very rich. He he wasn't willing to take the next step, was he? Wow. And then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, you know, it's, it's tougher for a rich person to get into heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Who here has seen a camel? Who here has ever threaded the eye of a needle? It doesn't work, does it? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Camel through the eye of a needle. And that's what the disciples are going, hello, Jesus. What, where, where does that leave, leave people? It, it can't happen. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. With humans, with men, with women, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Wow. Go and sell everything you've got. Yikes. Does that mean that Jesus expects us to go and sell everything we've got? Well, maybe, but maybe not. You see, for this rich young man, his riches were his God. The riches were more important than God. God wasn't in God's rightful place on the throne. So here's God, and here was his riches. So for that particular man, it was necessary for him to give everything he got, had to the poor in order for God to take his rightful place. The question for us always is, in our lives, we all have these little G-gods. What are they for you? What are those things that sometimes eke in and maybe take over and become more important than what God wants for our lives? That's something that we've all got to wrestle with day in and day out. And, um, you know, some days when we walk with the Lord and, you know, we, we get it right and other days we don't. But God wants first place. And um, God wants our total focus on him. So how about this idea of a rich person? For a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven um, is, uh, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. What's that all about? Well, Jesus uh, seems here is using what they call hyperbole. <laughs> That's a fancy word for saying kind of exaggerating to make a, an important point for emphasis. You see, wealth was uh, seen as proof of God's approval back in those days. For some, it might still seem to be that today anyway. It was commonly taught by rabbis that the rich then would be likely candidates for heaven since they were in receipt of God's approval. Well, Jesus... <laughs> 
handily destroyed that notion right here. And along with it, the idea that somebody can earn their entrance into heaven. Disciples had appropriate response when they said, who can then be saved? You know, if the wealthy among them, if the wealthy among them couldn't be saved, which they understood were the God's favored, what chance did they have, ordinary people that they were? So Jesus' answer is the basis of the gospel message. The gospel means good news. And he says, with man or with, with us, uh, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. And that's what we believe here at Connection Church, too. That's been our, our scripture go-to from day one. We've seen it. The bottom line is this. We are saved by God's gift of grace, of mercy, through faith. We do nothing but receive the gift. Nothing that we earn, we can't earn our salvation. And so in this story, this man had a lot of wealth, but he was spiritually poor. Have you ever known anybody that seemed really rich, but they were spiritually poor? That's what Jesus is talking about here. It appears that he worshipped money more than God, and as a result, it was as likely for him to humble himself before God as a camel was to crawl through the eye of a needle. Do you see that correlation now? Yeah, it was a good teaching. For us, um, greatest day in our lives when it comes to financial matters was the day we finally accepted the reality that all of our stuff, all of our money, all of our future income, all that we had in the past, had at the present, will have in the future, that all of it's God's. We'd heard that. We'd probably even given lip service to believing it. But there came a day when we finally claimed that for ours, and in so doing, fully relinquished our hold on what we had previously thought belonged to us. It didn't happen all at once. It didn't happen to both of us at the same time or at the same degree. So for a while, we kind of had to trust each other that they were being faithful to what God was asking. But wow, when we finally got on the same page with this, oh my gosh, it was, it was such a freedom that we experienced as a couple financially. No longer were we in control, but it was submitting what we had to God. And instead of giving like, oh, we've got to do this because this is what God says, it's just joyful. And it just felt so good. And in doing that, we could even become um, more generous because God just started multiplying things. And we don't say this at all. We say this completely humbly because it's not our nature to be like this. But when God sets us free of the power of possessions and money, it, it is a game changer where we don't live closed-fisted but live open-handed. Greatest aspect of that, all that for us was the idea of tithing. As tithing is kind of a churchy word. If you're not familiar with it, basically what it says is to give God 
give God 10%. And, and it doesn't mean give him what's left at the end of the month, because if you're like we used to be, there isn't a whole lot left at the end of the month. It's not to give him the end of the month, but run off the top. And so you say, well, wait a minute, the government gets it off the top before I ever get my check. Okay. After, <laughs> when you can, <laughs> take it off the top. Whatever the source of the income, that's the challenge. If we didn't have different sources of income, maybe it's a paycheck. Maybe it's cash that comes in. Maybe it's a Social Security check. Maybe it's a pension check. Maybe it's a tip. Maybe it's money from a side job. God doesn't really care where the money comes from. God does care that he's first. That's the most important thing. God wants to be number one in our lives. And that includes with our stuff, with our money before anything else. They call it in the Bible first fruits. Of course, that was from like an agrarian society. You might not have fruit. Just think of your dollars as fruit. They're green. You know, green things grow like fruit does. So there you go. Yeah. Can we first put fruits. more fertilizer on that? Yeah. Water it. Miracles. The thing about us, when, and when we say this, this is not meant in any way other than humbly sharing what God's done. You know, when we were able to do that, um, we were able to do it with joy. It wasn't like uh, uh, painfully pulling them dollars out of the pocket. And put, we were able to joyfully and enjoy doing it because of the freedom God had given us when it comes to money. So God calls us to give 10% the tithe. But the truth is, when you really think about it, we're not really giving God anything, are we? Because the truth is, it's all God's to start with. The reality is God's allowing us to keep 90. It's not us giving God 10. It's God allowing us to keep 90 because it's all his to start with. Keep 90, give 10. It's not a bad deal if you think about it, is it? When actually you start with nothing. There's a prophet, his name's Malachi in scripture. God used uh, people to share God's word. And usually it was a tough message the prophetic message. And in the Old Testament, there was a time, and there was another time, and there was another time when the Israelites were not faithful. And so God used <coughs> Malachi to share um, something about giving the tithe. So this is Malachi, God through Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and if I will, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Hmm. And you might be thinking, why are you guys talking so much about tithing? I thought we were talking about money is the root of all evil. For money is, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah. The love of money is what keeps us from being obedient to what God tells us to do. God clearly tells us to tithe, and we'd like to ignore that because we think it's ours. And we think, I've got more important bills than giving that 10% to God. And if we don't share it with you, who's going to? You're not going to find it out there someplace. It's important for us to share God's word with you. And you might think, boy, I don't want to talk about money. Now, we don't talk about money that much, but it's important that we do when we do because uh, it's important to God. In the scripture Carrie just read, I don't see any place else in scripture where God says to the people, test me. In fact, most of the time God says, don't test me. But in this case, he says, test me on this. Anybody know what a floodgate is? 
floodgate, you open up, what do you get? Flooded. Yeah, it allows the waters to, to flood at times. So we're using this analogy of a floodgate, but instead of water, we're going to get flooded with blessings. Now, stay with me on this. Who doesn't want to get flooded with blessings? That's the same response I got for a service. Exactly. I didn't have one taker. Right. Because we all want to get flooded with blessing, right? But what's incredible, God tells us just how to make it happen, and we say, I don't think so. It's right there, how to get flooded with blessing. Everybody here just said, I want to get flooded with blessing, or I, I, I'd like to, right? I want to get flooded with blessing. He tells us how to make it happen. He tells us how to make it happen. Flooded with blessing. And that's what, and I don't know what your flood's going to look like. Uh, some people, it's more my high guy between services say, gave me a couple stories of how God had, he started tithing and God made, he, the money came in. It was, it was wild. Like he'd give this much and exactly that much God would come in from another source. It's like, whew. Maybe your blessing is uh, better able to handle the money you got. Maybe it's being able to deal with your bills better and worry less about them. That's it. For us, the blessing came that we had, we were able to stop worrying about money. Amen? Amen. Stop worrying about money and start saying, being obedient to what God called us to do, realizing it all is his in the first place. We're just caretakers. The church word for it is stewards, stewards of what God's given us. God's blessing us to be able to then share it with others, still having more than enough to take care of ourselves. Best blessing of all is we're able to be obedient to God. Amen. Amen. So Alan and I work really hard on the Sunday message, and um, I mean, that, that's our job, but, but we work really hard. And last night, yesterday, as we were kind of tying up loose ends, I just said, Alan, we need a testimony on this, and it's just not, there's not, we need something. Barry would not have taken the phone call if at 5.30 on Saturday afternoon we said, Barry, we need you to film a testimony yeah. for tomorrow. He, that isn't going to happen. You know, he had enough other to yeah, do. Yeah, he had plenty that. to do. So anyway, we're like, okay, we're done, God. We're just going to give <coughs> you our best and show up tomorrow morning and say what you want us to say. So at 8.30 last night, I got a, a text, I'm not going to name who, and it's somebody that goes to this church that said, hi, Carrie, hopefully you received mail from me. So I didn't see the text until 10.15, 10.13. No, I did not. Then she writes, oh, my gosh, I sent a check for $3,900. The blank, blank, blank sent me a large amount of back pay, so I sent my tithe. I sent it Monday. I guess I need to cancel the check and write a new one. And I wrote, uh, I'm not told when checks come in. Was it written to me? And she wrote, yes, you and Alan. I'm like, oh, what address did you send it to? 4744 Summit Bridge Road? Yes. I said, okay, well, maybe it's in Alan's mailbox. So I'll check it when I get there. It's not, by the way. God, it's not. So I said, oh, my goodness, you're so faithful. Wait till you hear the message tomorrow. You could have preached it. <laughs> and then she writes, and this is at 1035. So, you know, sometimes we think God is a last-minute God. God's a right-on-time God. 
Here's what I get at 10.35 last night. Tithing is next to breathing to me. When I finally realized the meaning of tithing, I started even though I didn't think I could have afforded it. Not only am I now out of debt with my credit card, but God has been showering money many times unexpectedly. I was told the back pay was only going to be $1,500. When I saw the text saying $39,000 was deposited to my account, Hello. <laughs> I was speechless. Several years ago, God told me I could be financially solvent, so I believed him. All I can say is I'm so humbled, I just don't know how to act. Now, this is someone who has this much. Really. And she got this mega check and immediately tithed it all out, and we get our message at 10.35 last night that makes this all relevant and real. That's how God's on time. You know what? We planned this weeks ago, months ago. Last night <laughs> is when it all got really great real. Story? It is an incredible story? story. And I know this person is probably just sinking in her seat and I'm not even looking out. <laughs> Back to today's lesson. We say, we hear money is the root of all evil, and it ain't in the Bible. It ain't in there. I don't like that word ain't, but it ain't. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Our question is always this, what about you? What about you? How do you relate to this? Do you love money? Has it become a little g-god for you? Has it become more important than being obedient to God's word? Does it control you or do you control it? Is your money yours for you to spend or is it God's for you to, that God has entrusted to you? Are you living on the 90 and giving back the 10? For many of us, our lifestyles that we've kind of created does not allow that. But we encourage you to make a plan for the future and take one step at a time because God's blessing in whatever form they co it comes for you is absolutely incredible. Hmm. So just like the rich young man, God looks at us and loves us. Loves us just where we, like we are, just where we are, but too much to leave us there. So the question is, what adjustments is Jesus calling you to make in terms of your money and possessions so that God can do the impossible for you and your family, for you and your life? Are you seeking God's help to living a godly life, a, a life of contentment and generosity, a life where we seek first the kingdom of God and the money and possession everything else is just a part of his kingdom? That's the gospel. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this, this scripture found in the gospel in Mark and Matthew and Luke. must be important for you to have it in there that much. Lord, you do talk about money and possessions more than almost anything else in scripture because you know that it has a hold on us.
God, help us always put you first, whatever that looks like in our lives, that you have the number one seat. Thank you that you give us Holy Communion as a, a symbol, a time where we are acknowledging what you've done and how to walk it out with you every day of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this day and all days. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.